morning, City Light. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Uh, my name is Chuck, and like Eric said, I get to uh, be one of the pastors here at City Light. And I love Baptism Sundays. Like, Baptism Sundays are a blast to be a part of. I'm not sure what kind of tradition you grew up in, but I remember baptisms being kind of a somber, quiet type of thing. And whenever somebody was baptized, everybody would say, Amen. And that was, it. that was it, you know. But here, like, we're partying, we're hooping and hollering, we're, we're whistling because we're celebrating a, a changed life. We're celebrating somebody that has moved from darkness to light, from death to life. And so uh, we want that to happen over and over and over again. We want to see Jesus move in the lives of people. And as disciples are being made, we want to baptize them in his name. Um, have you, ever, have you ever had somebody, uh, a conversation with someone, uh, and the words that they said were exactly what you needed to hear at that time? Like, there's sometimes maybe when you have a stressful week, and you may take one step closer to that addiction that you're uh, struggling with, and you have a conversation with a friend, and that friend says, just the right words, and it kind of eases those anxieties, it eases the stresses that you were going through, and that person's able to get to your heart. You ever had that happen? Or maybe you parents, you have that kid that knows just which buttons to push. And finally, that spouse gets home, or maybe you have a conversation with your parents or with some friends, and they ease the tension that you've been experiencing all day, and the words that they say get to your heart. I had an experience like that this week. Um, I was at the High V on West Broadway, and I was actually studying, preparing for, for this sermon, and my wife called me up, and I'm in the middle, you know, I'm kind of stressed out because I'm not as far as what I would have liked to be. Usually by Thursday around noon, I am, uh, I've got some committed to memory, uh, everything's usually most of the time written, and I'm well on my way to trying to, to polish things up a little bit. Well, I wasn't quite there at this particular time. Jen gives me a call, and uh, she asks how things are going, and I say, honestly, I'm a little bit stressed out. Like, I just need some help on this thing. And um, so she said some words. I'm not even sure if she knew exactly how much they helped me, but she said, hey, just, just trust Jesus. He'll tell you what to say. And at that moment, I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um, what Jen did in that moment was that she got to my heart. She said the right thing at the right time and put the anxiety that was going on in my heart, she put that to rest. Now, over the last several weeks, We've been looking at this Sermon on the Mount. It's like the most famous sermon that Jesus preached. People quote it all the time without even knowing it. The verses that Eric read just a few minutes ago are probably some of the most popular um, verses that people quote. Have you ever heard somebody say, don't judge me? Or maybe they've told you, uh, doesn't the Bible say we shouldn't judge one another? Well, this is that passage. This is where those quotes come from. And those are all great quotes. But I think what Jesus is trying to do, he's trying to get us to realize more than just good quotes. 
He's trying to get us to understand that there's more to this sermon than just what we are able to quote him about. Think about it like this. In those times when we want to quote these verses, what are we usually experiencing? Like, we think that people are judging us. We think that people are unfairly um, making assumptions about us or maybe unfairly accusing us of something because of a few things that they've observed us doing. They're not treating us fairly. They're basing their judgment on limited knowledge of who they think we are, and we don't think that that's right. It doesn't feel right to us. And the good news is, is that it doesn't feel right to Jesus either. In fact, the reason that Jesus said these things in the first place and the heart behind this sermon that he's been preaching this entire time is that our hearts matter. Jesus is constantly going after our heart. These words um, from Matthew chapter 7, they're another look into what life is like that Jesus is building in the kingdom. One of the things that we have seen over and over and over in the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus is less concerned with how people act in his kingdom, and he's more concerned with how people's hearts are doing in this kingdom. He's more concerned with the heart. He's after the hearts as he's preaching this sermon over 2,000 years ago, and he's after our hearts today. If there's one thing I want you to get out of this message today, it's that Jesus is after your heart. Jesus is, is he's telling us that as he's building this kingdom, that our hearts matter. And I want to break it down to us, and we're going to pick it up in verse number one and two. Um, the first point is, our hearts matter, so don't judge. All right? Our hearts matter, so don't judge. Verse number one says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So what is Jesus talking about in these first two verses? Is, um, is he saying that we shouldn't make any judgments at all? Like if we see somebody that's experiencing an injustice, are we just supposed to stand idly by and watch that injustice take place without saying a word. Is that what he means? Is that what he's talking about? What if we see somebody or we know that somebody's about to make a decision that's going to ruin the rest of their life? Are we just supposed to give them a hall pass? We're not supposed to judge, right? Is that what Jesus is going after? Are we just supposed to play nice and not make any waves or make any trouble or cause any rifts with anyone? I don't think... That's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is pointing out a very specific crowd here. There's this group of people called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, what they intended to do is they took a little bitty truth from the Bible and they expounded on it. They added a bunch of rules to it. Jesus has this group of people in mind. These legalistic, rule-following Pharisees, and he's pointing right at them when he's saying, judge not lest you be judged. They took the truth of the Bible and added to it. Now, 
Have you ever been judged this way? Um, I have. Uh, one, of the, one of the ways that these, uh, these Pharisees judged was that they would condemn. And the way they condemned is they, um, they would actually not, they would tell you that you're not worthy of their time. So if you were in trouble and you were on this side of the road and you needed some help, they would walk to this side of the road and they would walk right by you without even noticing that you were there. If you didn't follow all of the little rules that they said you should follow, they judged you and they condemned you and they said you are not worthy of their time and they would walk right by you. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had someone judge you like that? Someone make these assumptions based on very limited knowledge about who they think you are. Maybe you or your spouse, they don't have the skin color that they think you should have. Maybe uh, you don't educate your kids like they do. Or maybe you don't belong to the same political party as that person, and so they judge you. Maybe you don't wear the style of clothes that they think you should wear, and so they judge you. Or maybe you're like Doug, and people, don't judge, or people judge you because you can't grow a beard. Or you're like Eric, and people judge you because you look like a hobbit. Or maybe you're like me, and people judge you because you're trying to cover up that bald spot and grow some hair and cover up that bald spot. I don't know. There's a ton of way that people judge us. There are so many way, ways for people to judge us. And good people, like people who are really good at judging, they don't even have to say a word in order for them, for us to experience that judgment, do they? Um, you guys know what I'm talking about? Some of you moms might understand this. So you, um, you know, you've had a hard day, right? Maybe you've worked all day long. And, uh, or you've run errands all day. And you're coming home from the grocery store, you put the groceries away, and all you want to do is take the kids to the ice cream store so that you can get them some ice cream. It's been a rough day, let's just do this, get it taken care of, maybe treat my kids a little bit. So you pack up the kids in the van or in the SUV or the car or whatever, and you go down to Krispy Kreme, and you unpack them, and they're running up there, and they're a little rambunctious. They're a little bit wild. Maybe they're not quite obeying like you would have them to. You look over to your left to see these, this group of empty nesters. And as you make eye contact, they roll their eyes away. And you sense the judgment. You feel the judgment because you don't, your kids aren't acting like they think they should act. Um, how about some of you singles out there? You ever had that well-intentioned person come up to you and kind of pat you on the shoulder and say, oh, it's okay, honey. Someday you'll get married. You ever had that happen? One of the favorite things that happens to me is you walk out of Menards and my window is super dirty on the back of my Jeep and somebody puts wash me in the, in the back. That, that happens all the time. Um, I don't know how, but it does. Um, so Jesus is saying that when you do those types of things, you're judging people unfairly. And while it may be sometimes funny and um, harmless, sometimes it actually hurts and it can make an impact on people for the rest of their life. Like maybe you guys remember that 
church lady or that church person that looked harshly at you because you didn't know when to stand or sit in the church service that you were going to. Or maybe you remember that um, teacher in high school, and they said you're going to be a failure because you couldn't make the grade that everyone else was making. Or maybe it's your parents, and they said that you're going to be a failure. You're not mounting up to what they would hope you to be because you're uh, not practicing that law that they wanted you to practice. Instead, you'd rather be a stay-at-home mom. Or maybe you would rather work with cement than work with numbers. Have you ever felt judged before? Jesus wants us to know that we have no right to judge people like that. And when we do, we're actually robbing God of his authority, and we're taking it for ourselves. He wants us to know that we are going to be judged in the same way that we judge other people, except we're not going to be judged by people. We're going to be judged by God himself. We actually hurt our own hearts as we unfairly and unjustly judge other people's hearts. Jesus wants us to know that hearts matter, so don't judge. Another thing that Jesus is pointing out is hearts matter, so don't be a hypocrite. Let's look at it again. We'll start with verse number, uh, verse number three. It says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus says not to be so quick to point out something in somebody else's life that you forget what is going on in your own heart. It's like me trying to teach a class on nutrition as I'm eating a box of Little Debbie's. That wouldn't be right, would it? Or maybe that guy in your neighborhood who's coming up and he's talking to you about home improvement and his entire house is falling apart. It doesn't make any sense, does it? Or maybe that fellow or that lady in the hospitality area that's got a donut in their mouth and one in each hand, and they're telling you how bad the sugar is that you're putting in your coffee. It's, it's ridiculous. That's exactly what Jesus is trying to get across. Jesus is saying that we can't point out the small thing in someone else's life when this huge issue is going on in our own life. There's something that needs to be done before a person tries to point out something wrong in someone else's life. You've got to examine yourself. Jesus says that you first need to look at, your, at the sin that's in your own life, get rid of it, take that log out of your eye, and then you can go and talk to somebody else about the issue that's going on in their life. Jesus says that if we skip this step, if we miss this point, we are a hypocrite. That's Jesus' word. That's not mine. We're a hypocrite. Imagine how much this one nugget of truth could help us if we would just seek to obey it. Imagine with me, spouses, if you took that log that was in your own eye, if you worked to get that log out of your own eye before you looked at the speck that was in your spouse's eye. Like, imagine with me if we applied this at work. 
You know that, that coworker that always gets on our nerves or that boss that knows how to push all the buttons that we have? Imagine if we removed the log from our eye before we reached for the speck that is in theirs. What about you, parents? What if you put this rule, this idea, this principle that Jesus is teaching into practice? We have a daughter whose name is Brittany, and she's 25 years old. A few years ago, she moved from Omaha to Lincoln to help plant a church there called City Light, Lincoln, and it's really close to the UNL campus. Well, before she moved, there was something that happened to her car, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but she needed to borrow our car for a little bit, and I gave her the keys to a car that I thought way too much of. Guess what happened? Exactly. You know what happened. She got in a little fender bender as she was in a parking lot on her way to worship Jesus with her friends. So she, it's not like Brittany was um, out partying. It's not like she was being irresponsible and she wrecked my car. That's not what happened. She was in a parking lot and there was a really tight spot that she was trying to get into and the side of my car tapped the side or tapped the front bumper of this other car, scratched it a little bit, scratched up my car and uh, caused a little bit of damage. She was great. She even like called me up and said, hey, my dad, I want to let you know, um, kind of got in this little wreck, little fender bender, and uh, there's a little problem. So I said, well, just come on over later, and we'll get this thing figured out. She showed up to the house, and um, I did what every good dad would do, right? I put my arm around her. I said, it's all right, Brittany. It's just a car. Are you okay? Is that, is, are you okay? It's just a car. We'll, we'll get this thing fixed. That's what every dad would do, right? That's not what I did. <laughs> I actually flipped out a little bit, and I'm like, are you sure that's the way you actually wrecked my car? Like, I got a little bit, like, I didn't believe that's the way. It's too good to be true. Like, your daughter doesn't, like, wreck the car when she's in the parking lot going to a worship service. That's not what happens. It had to be something sinister, right? She had to be doing something sinister because she messed up my car. Well, I had this huge log in my eye. This car was way too important for me to be involved with, right? Um, I valued this car. This log that was in my eye was the fact that I valued this car more than I valued the relationship to my daughter. Now, was Brittany a little bit careless? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, could she have maybe made a little bit better of a judgment call and realized that that parking spot was a little bit too tight before she actually went into it? Yeah, she probably could have. But those things, they're itty-bitty specks when you look at the log that was in my eye. City Light, when we realize that the first step is to remove the log that is in our eye before we try to help somebody else out in their life, I think we'll get along better with one another. I think that in that process, we'll also experience a little bit more humility. Jesus wants us to know that hearts matter. 
So don't be a hypocrite. Now, that brings us to what feels like a bunch of crazy talk, doesn't it? I mean, now we're getting into this idea of pearls and dogs and pigs and people are like throwing them at them. And why would we do that in the first place? Well, let's, at, let's look at verse number six. It says, do not give the dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. What is Jesus telling us here? What is this pearl that he is trying to get at? What's the purpose of these dogs and pigs? Jesus is telling us here that hearts matter, so don't be careless. When Jesus uses the phrase, what is holy, and when he refers to the pearls, he's referring primarily to the good news of the kingdom. Jesus uses this same comparison a little bit later in Matthew chapter 13, verse 45. Let me show it to you. It says, again... The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. There's the comparison. Who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Jesus is telling this crowd that this message that he is preaching about this kingdom is different. It's holy. It's valuable. It has a ton of worth. He goes on to tell us what seems to be obvious, that dogs don't value anything and pigs have no idea of the price of pearls and they don't value them either. They don't regard them as precious. So don't waste these precious jewels on any of these dirty animals. So this message that Jesus is talking about, he's saying that it's precious and don't waste it. I don't think we need to be shy in sharing this good news about the kingdom. But we also need to understand that if someone is argumentative or maybe they're antagonistic to this message that Jesus has given us about the kingdom, just move on. This message is so precious. So be careful about who you share it with. Hearts matter. So don't be careless. Now these verses... They seem pretty straightforward, don't they? They seem like, like pretty obvious what Jesus is trying to get us to think about. But as I saw these things, I couldn't help but think of this, like this huge responsibility that I was beginning to feel. Like I felt like these things were a big responsibility on my shoulder. What if I slip up and judge? What if I point something out in someone else's life before I actually deal with some stuff that's going on in my life? How is that going to work out? How do I know how someone's going to respond to the kingdom? I mean, how is that going to be my responsibility? How is, is that something that I'm going to figure out? It felt more like a, like a burden to carry than a jewel to cherish. It seemed like this news, this news about the kingdom is getting more complex, more heavy, and it's beginning to feel like it's more like bad news than it is good news. All right, so I love you guys. Go home. You guys have a great day. Go in peace. Now, obviously, I thought I might get a little bit more of a laugh out of that, but (laughs) it, it was actually funnier in my head. If that's what Jesus is saying, then he's contradicting 
everything that we know him to be, isn't he? Because Jesus did exactly what verse 6 tells us not to do. Jesus Christ, he's the greatest treasure of his Father. And he was offered to us. He was given to us. Jesus Christ is the greatest pearl, the most precious pearl that we could ever lay our eyes on. He is the greatest treasure that we could ever seek after. He was beaten. His flesh was torn from his body. Blood flowed from his side. This rare pearl, it was, he was nailed to a cross. And he nailed to a cross that we should have died on. And what did his disciples do? They walked away. They did exactly what we would have done if we were there. They walked away and they betrayed him. They turned their back on him. They trampled this precious jewel under their feet as if it had no value. Jesus felt that betrayal from his friends. And in the midst of feeling that betrayal, his father went silent because we know that as he hung on the cross, he screamed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This uncommon jewel was buried in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he rose from the dead to show that he's not only precious and valuable, but that he's as uncommon and distinct as this kingdom that he's preaching about. He's exactly who he said he is. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the precious jewel. Now, I begin to understand that there are countless times when I have judged people. I can't tell you how many times I've told people about the sin of gluttony that I see in their life, only to go smash some cheesy potato bites at Casey's. It happens. Um, I, I tend to talk to people about the Word of God just so I can win an argument rather than win their heart. I've sat and debated with people for hours about who Jesus is just so I could say I won an argument. I messed up. I judged. I'm the hypocrite. I'm that Pharisee that Jesus is calling out. I'm that religious guy. Here's what I realized. Is that hearts matter. Hearts matter. And Jesus gives us hope. City Light, my heart matters. And Jesus gives me hope. In that moment when I felt condemned because I gave that bad look to that lady that couldn't control her kids at Krispy Kreme, in that moment, Jesus showed me mercy. And he said, I forgive you. I forgive you. And he gave me hope. <coughs> that time when I was overcome with guilt because I was angry with Britt for wrecking my car, Jesus spoke grace to me and said, I got you covered. And he gave me hope. That occasion when pride welled up in me and um, I knew that I was walking in a direction I shouldn't have gone, I tried to use the Bible just to win an argument. Jesus whispered peace to me. And he said, Chuck, I'm building my kingdom, not you. And he gave me hope. My heart matters to Jesus and he gives me hope. Here's some good news, folks. Your heart matters to Jesus too. And he wants to give you hope. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you felt judged. You felt unwanted. You felt undervalued. Jesus wants you to know that he's that precious pearl that you've been looking after. Maybe you're here this morning and you're that guy or you're that girl. You're that man, you're that woman that has played both judge and jury. You've made those judgment calls. You're the hypocrite. Jesus wants you to know that that your heart matters too. Your heart matters too, and he wants to give you hope. City Light, (coughs) excuse me. Jesus is building a kingdom where hearts matter, and he wants to give us hope. Let's pray. Oh, God, we come to you today, Father, and we just, we want to thank you that you've given us hope. We want to thank you, Father, that um, in this sermon that we have been looking at, that you're always going after the heart. You always have our heart um, in mind as we're, as we're listening. The heart matters. So, God, I just thank you that you go after our heart. God, I pray, Lord, that as we, as we think about what Jesus might be doing in our own hearts, if we're sitting here and we've been that person, we've been that lady at, at Christy Creek, or we've been um, that person that maybe judged that lady at Christy Creek, whether we feel judged or whether we're the person that judged, God, we just ask that you would Help us to realize that you're after our heart. God, we thank you that you sent Jesus to die for our sin. God, we're grateful that you point out to us that in spite of who we are sometimes, you still love us. You're that precious jewel that was beaten and battered for us because we do judge. We are the hypocrite. And Lord, thank you for what you're doing. We ask God that you would um, bless this time. Pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and our lives will, change, will be changed. As he sings in Jesus' name.